Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, continuing our conversation about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I have recently been reading a number of articles related to the mental health crisis among teenagers in our country. And one of the common themes is the detrimental impact of social media, immediate communication like text messages and other forms of immediate communication, and media in general uh, on their mental health. Now, while that certainly is true and has application for teenagers, I think we're also missing it if we don't understand that these uh, forces also have a deleterious impact on adults as well. So I want to talk today about managing media and particularly about managing your social media and your immediate media and even your traditional media input or intake on a consistent basis. First of all, lest I sound like a dinosaur from another era, let me say something positive about social media and the immediacy of media in our lives. There are several good things that come from this. Uh, For example, social media makes instant information available about real problems or real issues. For example, uh, I live in Southern California where we recently had an earthquake. And even though it was a relatively minor earthquake, it still shook us a bit. Soon after that happened, we got text messages telling us about what had happened and the fact that there was very little damage and that that there was no reason to uh, put any emergency services into effect or anything like that. Uh, Another uh, positive use of this is uh, related to weather alerts that go out before something happens, uh, tornadoes and these kinds of things. Another positive use of this kind of instant media and instant social media communication is uh, getting out information like Amber Alerts and other things that uh, can even prevent people from being harmed in certain situations. And of course, uh, another part of this instant information about real problems or issues is uh, related to things that might be happening uh, in the culture that that are going to have an impact on everyone uh, simultaneously, like, for example, uh, if there's a, a political assassination or a terrorist attack or something that happens in the culture that is immediately going to impact a lot of people, uh, that becomes very helpful. So one way that social media and instant media and media saturation helps us is that instant information about real problems or issues is uh, more accessible. And another way, another positive is that it really helps to uh, maintain the relational connections with people that we care about. For example, I have a 90-year-old family member who uh, a number of years ago when Facebook uh, was really emerging, uh, she was already retired and uh, said, you know, I really want to connect with my children and my grandchildren. So she did what old people do. She went to her community college and took a class on social media and particularly on using Facebook. And because she was able to do that, even though she's now 90, uh, 
She's still a regular user of social media in terms of connecting with her family and being able to log in daily and check on what's happening with her children and her grandchildren and now even her great-grandchildren and just see what's going on in life and then share some things about her life or about her observations about the lives of her family members. Listen, this is a fantastic use of media and social media and this kind of instant communication. It's a wonderful thing, a wonderful thing. I know that uh, I get great delight in seeing uh, little videos, snapshots of my uh, children and, excuse me, my grandchildren playing basketball or being involved in gymnastics or uh, being in school plays and these kinds of things. So this is another really positive about this kind of media. Here's a third one. This one might surprise you. Uh, A third good thing about this kind of media is it's funny. It can bring a break to life. Uh, it, it can be something that's amusing or something that gets out there, quote, on the Internet that's just really funny to see, like signs or comments or different, different things that go on. Uh, somehow on my news feed, for example, each day, uh, I've logged into some of these in the past. And so, you know, my, my uh, news feed uh, algorithms have learned that I'll look at them. And so I get some of these funny things sent to me and I, I, I've, I enjoy them. I get a kick out of them. It's a, it's a fun part of uh, seeing the news each day. So lest you think I'm only negative about social media or about instant communication or about the pervasiveness of media in our culture, I'm not. There's some really, really good things about this. It, uh, it makes instant information about real issues or important life or uh, c- cultural events happen. It gives, gives us a fresh way to be relationally connected with the people that we really care about. It, it can bring some humor, some uh, break to our lives uh, as we see some of the funny things that go on out there with people. There are good things about this technology. However, social media particularly can be a problem. And the immediacy of communication available through that and then the pervasiveness of media on top of that can be a problem. How do you know that social media and its use is a problem for you? Well, here's some checkpoints. Number one, when you are compulsively checking your phone, compulsively checking your phone. In a recent article I was reading about uh, the impact of this in the lives of teenagers, one school said that they documented that teenagers in their school were checking their phones about nine times in every 50-minute class session. Now, that's a lot of checking, especially when you're supposed to be paying attention in class. It is really hard to learn algebra when you're checking your phone every three to five minutes. And so compulsively checking the phones in that context, they have come up with a pretty radical solution. This particular middle school has banned smartphones from the classroom. Now, there's been some pushback on this because parents say, well, in case of emergency or some kind of school shooter situation or something like that, I want to be able to reach my child, my child be able to reach me. So there's some pushback and they're creating some alternatives in that school, but they're looking for really aggressive ways to get people to stop compulsively checking their phones. I also uh, read a a recent news article about flight attendants, and what caught my eye was it said in the headline that uh, certain behavior was being banned by major airlines. And I thought, well, I'm 
glad to hear they're banning some behaviors because I'm on airlines all the time and I'd like to see some behaviors banned. So open the article to see what it was that they were trying to stop. And I was uh, interested that it wasn't about the passengers. Major airlines have issued uh, directives to their flight attendants to stop checking their phones while they're working, even while they're in flight. And so this is just uh, just a couple of cultural examples recently that I've come on to that reminds me that people are compulsively checking the phone. I have one person that I'm uh, friends with. He does this all the time. You're having a conversation with him, and about every few seconds, the eyes just go down to the phone. The eyes go down to the phone. You really can't engage him fully because he's completely uh, linked to the phone and what might be flashing up on his screen in terms of alerts or in terms of information or in terms of contacts, compulsively checking your phone. That's one sign. Social media may be a problem for you. Second, it's a problem when uh, the focus of your communication is frivolous information that you glean from these media sources. When you find yourself talking a lot about this stuff, you got a problem. Now, right now, social media is uh, captivated by Taylor Swift. I mean, really. You can hardly turn on any kind of social media feed of any kind and any kind of traditional media feed of any kind and not have something come up pretty quickly about Taylor Swift. I don't mind that. I see it. I glance at it. I move on. But there are people who are talking about her all the time. It's like something that keeps coming up in their conversation. That's just the focus of their life, their focus of their conversation, their focus of their dialogue with friends and people around them. Look, if your focus is frivolous information, if that's what you find yourself talking about, whether it's football or fashion or some actor or actress or the movies or politics, this kind of frivolous information is just constantly circulating in your brain and constantly coming out of you because you're constantly feeding yourself from social media that you got a problem. Third, third problem is when you devote unlimited time to it. And I'm going to talk about in just a moment what to do uh, to get control of this. But And one of the things you can do to get control of it is to set some time limits. But when you devote unlimited time to it, in other words, when it's just on all the time, when your phone is Ding, 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 constantly. You're getting notes and messages and alerts, and it's just constantly coming to you. And then finally, social media is a problem when you define yourself by who you follow. You define yourself. You categorize yourself. You pigeonhole yourself. You put yourself in a box by who you follow. You confuse social media with a real relationship. And you think you, in some ways, actually know these people? Are they, in some ways, should have influence over your life, your choices, your behaviors, your clothing, your food selections, your car you drive? Uh, these kinds of things are like you want to be like the person that you like or follow? You've got a problem. So while social media and immediate communication and media saturation can be helpful, I think it can also be problematic when you're compulsively checking to the extent that it distracts you from the focus that you should have in life and relationships, when you're constantly talking about the frivolous information that comes from these sources, 
when you devote unlimited time to it, or when you define yourself by who you follow. Now let's shift our focus to talking about, though, more positively, how to control your social media intake and how to use it as a real positive part of your life and ministry. First thing I would say in terms of controlling your media intake is limit the people you follow. Make sure they are credible and they are accountable. You know, putting those two criteria together really limits the kind of communication that I let come into my life. Before someone's going to speak to me regularly or daily, I want to make sure they're credible and I want to make sure they're accountable to someone. I want to make sure that they're credible and they're accountable. I don't want someone who's a free agent, loose cannon, having that much input and control over my life. So you want to know that someone that you're listening to, for example, has a a board that they have to account to, or they have an organization uh, for which they're responsible, or they have some elders or deacons that are meeting with them regularly to make sure that they're on track. You want to make sure they're credible and they're accountable to someone. The second thing I would say is to control your social media intake, the immediacy of communication intake, this media saturation intake, how to control that is limit the time you devote to social media. And I'd go on to say limit the time you devote to any media. This may be a new thought for you, but set a timer. You already do this for other things in your life. For example, uh, I teach here at Gateway and we start class at a certain time and we end class at a certain time. We set a timer. We say this is the amount of time we're allotting to class today. And you can't go over because there's another class starting in 15 minutes and students have to get down the hall to that other class. So we set a timer. I set a timer on the treadmill. I get on the treadmill and I think, man, I don't want to do this, but I need to do this. And I need to do this for a certain amount of time in order to make it really helpful in my life. And so I set a timer and I stay on that treadmill until the timer goes off. No problem. Set a timer. Um, I set an alarm every morning. I set an alarm so that I wake up because I know that I need to get up at a certain time to get moving with my day and to be productive for that day. I set a timer. Now, set a time frame that you will devote to taking in social media and even media in general. I do this every morning. Uh, I wake up early. I go to the kitchen. I make a cup of tea. I sit down in my chair. I read the Bible. I pray. And I may read the Bible and pray for Uh, a few minutes or for a longer period of time. It just depends on the day. It depends on what I discover in the scripture. depends on my prayer needs for that day. But I spend time reading the Bible and praying. When I finish that, I make my breakfast and I sit down at the table and I open up my media sources. Now, I use a media feed uh, that has selected magazine or excuse me, newspapers and um, uh, news journals and um, newspapers. Broadcast media, a selection, a cross-section, if you will. I have some liberal papers, some middle-of-the-ground-road papers. I have some uh, conservative uh, sources. Uh, I have this news feed that I've created. And when I turn on my uh, device in the morning, 
It's there for me. And I sit there and I have my breakfast and I read it and I read it until seven o'clock. Now, sometimes that's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 40 minutes. But when seven o'clock comes and I have an alarm when it goes off, that means it's time to get in the shower, get dressed and get on to work. And so I don't just let it go on and on and on. I want my media intake to be limited, and I limit it to the amount of time I have available after my time of devotion and quiet time until 7 a.m. That's my time. You say, well, what if you find something that's really important or that's really interesting? Well, I save that article. And frankly, uh, saving those articles forms the basis of some of my blog writing and certainly some of my podcasting. Uh, But By limiting the time that I devote to social media and to media in general, I'm saying it's important for me to be connected. And I have taken the initiative to create a news feed that brings to me uh, some sampling of what's being said out there in media and in social media. And in doing that, um, I'm able to get connected but not be dominated by what I'm receiving. And then once I leave, um, I turn the sound, the notifications off on my phone and I go to work. And that is not something that I'm checking repeatedly throughout the day. Now, uh, are there ever any exceptions to this? Absolutely. Of course, there are. Sometimes if I get to an airport and I've got a few minutes, I might log in and check the news feed again. Or if I missed it that morning because I was traveling, I might catch it while I'm waiting for a plane or something like that. Sure, there's exceptions. But by starting my day with this pattern, I've built into my life a pattern that says there's a certain amount of time that I'm going to devote to media intake, and then I'm moving on with my day, and I'm moving on with my life. I'm not going to allow that to control me, or not going to allow that to consume me as I move through the day. And then... Um, I also, as I said, by this means of this newsfeed, limit the kind of information that I allow to occupy my time. Now, one of the decisions I made a number of years ago that uh, I know will not be embraced by many, but it's worked for me, was that I essentially stopped watching uh, televised news. Now, occasionally I still watch some of it, and I do use the major news networks as a part of my news feed, so I'm getting the key stories delivered from them each day into my news feed. But I stopped just having televised news on as the backdrop of my life when I'm at home in the evenings and these kinds of things because I realized that I'm just getting the same thing over and over and over and over again, and it really wasn't productive for me to be better informed, and it really was draining for me because I found myself spending just an inordinate amount of time taking in media that really wasn't that helpful. So limit the people you follow, limit the time you devote to social media and to media itself, and then limit the sources to those which you've chosen. And I want to challenge you here. Don't just choose sources that are going to feed your perspective or your prejudices or your particular opinions. I certainly am a political conservative and a theological conservative and a cultural conservative. But I want to read some other input on a regular basis. That's why I know it'll shock you, but the San Francisco Chronicle is on my newsfeed, as is the L.A. Times. Because I want to know what those two major West Coast newspapers are saying uh, every day about cultural issues, about 
religious issues, about national and international issues. And yes, I find myself disagreeing with them a significant amount of the time, but I still want to hear something about what they're saying so that I have some perspective on what's going on in the broader world and just the way that I see the world or the way that I want my favorite news feed or my favorite news channel to, to present the world to me. So I want you to limit the people you follow, limit the time you devote, and limit the kind of information. But in limiting the kind of information, make sure you're really limiting it to what you need to hear, not just limiting it to what you want to hear. Now, when you put these controls into place, here's some of the good benefits that's going to come for you. First, you're going to have more time to focus on your mission or your job or your classroom, or your schooling, or whatever it is you need to be giving your time to besides this constant checking of media. Again, back to this uh, article I read about the school that took away the, the uh, smartphones during class time. Productivity went up, and to their great surprise, social relationships started emerging as people started talking to each other over lunch rather than looking at their phones through lunch. They said it's been a remarkable buzz that has come up in our cafeteria as people are now engaging one another in new and fresh ways. So more time to focus on your mission, more time to focus on your classroom, more time to focus on your job. And I would go on to say a, a second one, and that is more time to focus on real relationships like those lunch conversations I just had. You know, it's fine to maintain um Electronic relationships or media relationships, that's not anything necessarily wrong with those. I've given you some positives in the podcast. But what about maintaining your real relationships? Turning off your media and just having a conversation with the people in your family, playing a game together, uh, enjoying one another in that way. Uh, that's what I mean by focusing on real relationships. Uh when you set aside some of the preoccupation with media as I'm describing it, you can raise the level of time you devote to these kind of interactions. And then third, when you limit your media in the way I'm describing, you will have more time for intentional activity, not just re responding to the latest post or impulse that's come to or input that's come to you and the impulse to respond that you might have. Intentionality is a big word in my life. I, I like to plan. I like to think through things. I like to be intentional about what I do, and I like to move forward on those things that really matter most to me. I don't like to be reactive to what other people are saying to me is important. I want to be intentional about devoting my time and energy to what I know really is important. So, for example, uh, if I'm preaching at a church on Sunday— it's very important for me to carve out the time, uninterrupted time, to craft that message so that I have something significant to say in that moment. If I've got my phone on and it's constantly giving me alerts and distractions and comments and, and input from various kinds of people, I'm letting that reactive response rather than an intentional effort dictate how I'm using my time and it'll show up because what I should have been intentional in doing to benefit the many Instead, I was reactive in doing to benefit the few, and I'll suffer for it, and so will my work. And then another t uh, positive from controlling this kind of media input is it simply gives you more time for service 
and for, for doing the things that matter to you in helping and caring for other people. It gives you more opportunity for serving and for actually meeting the needs of people rather than just uh, talking or thinking or, or working uh, or wondering about how, do you might, how you might be doing that. And then the last one, which I also said was earlier, you just make sure you have more time for God. Uh, upon prominent uh, U.S. pastor said, and I won't say his name because I may not get the quote exactly right, but he said, um, when American Christians arrive in heaven and God asks, why didn't you pray more? The answer cannot be, well, I was busy on Twitter. <laughs> okay. I mean, when you cut out some of this frivolous social media and saturation media participation, and devote that time instead to scripture reading and prayer and meditation on God and his work in your life, you will find that you will actually have more time for God in your schedule and in your life. Well, let me go back to the beginning and say, I am not a complete dinosaur, a Neanderthal. I am not stuck in the 1970s. I do embrace media. I like living in a media world. I like the immediacy of information that's available. I think that saturation media has some good benefit and social media can have some positive impact in our lives. But the data is coming in and it's pretty clear. Overuse of, the, of social media and overexposure to saturation media is detrimental. Not just for teenagers like the article I just recently read, but for all of us who find ourselves consumed by uh, and immersed in this kind of an environment. So today, while I'm not advocating abstinence from all of these things, I am saying to be a productive ministry leader, to make the most impact possible, you're going to have to take some steps to limit the use of social media to limit media saturation in your life, to cool down the immediacy of communication that you feel uh, and that many people expect from you, and to take steps to limit who you follow, limit the time you invest, and limit the sources that input into your life so that you can have more time to focus on your mission, to build real relationships, to focus on the intentionality of activity that really advances what you should be responsible for doing, for serving others, and of course, for having more time for your relationship with God. We are not going to be able to turn off, tune out, or in any way detach from the world we're living in. We are living in an immediate age, but we can learn to manage it more effectively. And doing so is essential for your ministry leadership effectiveness as you lead on.